Hello there, you're welcome to Truth, the timeless word with practical insights. Your host is Reverend Bumi Omisha. Last week I ministered on what I tried to come either, and I take that as part one, and I take today's one as part two, come either, that is come here. I'm going to be doing a little bit an unusual thing in the sense that I'm going to be responding to some of the concerns, the queries, that some of the questions that people have asked irrespective of the membership and um, membership form that uh, we've asked to be filled. And what I realize is that you know, sometimes when questions are asked, it doesn't mean that everybody else not asking the question knows the answer or is not even asking the same question. I remember when I was in secondary school, there's this guy. I mean, that guy used to annoy us, but actually he was one of the smartest guys in the class. You know, when... You're just waiting for a teacher to leave the class, and the teacher asks any question. This guy always has a question. But he asks a question not because for the sake of it. He knows exactly where the teacher loses him. Usually, and he tell you, you know, that step. From that step, I have no clue what you're saying. And of course, usually, particularly when it's math or physics, um, the teacher probably has to go from the beginning and try to explain and make clear and everything. But until the guy gets it, the teacher says, do you get it? No. Until the guy gets it, he doesn't give up. And everybody says, come on. Now, most of us don't know it. But we can't just bother to know it, you know. So, Or sometimes it's like, oh, I now get it. Thank God he asks, you know. So, um, so I feel that, you know, the questions that are asked unnecessarily um, is probably for the benefit of everyone to understand what exactly we're doing. And you notice that in the last two weeks, um, we've uh, I, I presented the vision of the church that um, we're, we're building a multi-generational, multi-racial church that gather together for extravagant worship. No counterculture, but revealing to the world what it is to live under the authority of Jesus Christ. In the same breath, we also gather in smaller group. Uh, one of the questions are what is life group? That defining their life group is actually the, the nucleus of the church. You know, sometimes you can call it self. You can call it um, house fellowship, you know. Um, but the whole idea is for us to gather in smaller clusters so that we can uh, build one another up and develop spiritually as well as uh, grow in our discipleship. And we did present the different departments of the church that gives us the opportunity to serve. You see, the Bible says that we are more kind of closed down sometimes, you know, uh, because the ratio for the adults to 
um, adults to the children, it's um, we're we're getting to that ratio that uh, we're kind of technically breaking the law. So please, um, uh, your contribution to this will prevent that happening. I've been at Finance DK, Hosher, Hospitality and Welcome, Community and Social Responsibility. And I did say that we still need uh, mission evangelism, intercessory, and uh, we have DC, that's the teenagers, um, the younger teenagers. But last week I did, um, while I was uh, ministering, I did um, state the importance of, um, of membership that Jesus did not call. Our call was not a casual call. You know, Jesus' call for us is a call of commitment. Is a call of commitment. Is a call of accountability and responsibility. And as they say, uh, when we looked at Hebrews, um, Hebrews um, eleven, um, 11 uh, Hebrews chapter seven, we saw the the benefits of arch, of the commitment. Um, so this morning, I'm going to just step it a little bit uh, further in responding to you know uh, one of the. Um, uh, one of the main questions was, um, um, what is it, uh, what do I get in return, or what do we get in return? Um, or if I can paraphrase it as, uh, was it in it for me? And I'm going to show us that um, Scripture makes it very clear that there's nothing that we give up for Jesus. Jesus made it clear. When Peter asked that question as well, he said, what is it in it for me? He said, we have given our houses, we have given everything up. What is it in for us? And Jesus said that, look, whatever you give up, you receive a hundredfold of this. So what I'm going to be doing today is um, I'm going to be looking at, um, I'm going to be looking at giving, more, more precisely on term, in terms of a financial giving, but um, using that as a basis of what we give and what we return. And um, so if you'd like to turn with me to, I think that this um, scripture that I'm going to ask you to turn to is probably the least popular scripture in the Bible. Uh, for a lot of people that go to church, and uh, most popular by, uh, scripture for those that hold the microphone in the church. Can anyone guess what that scripture is? Ah, you see? Yes, Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. <laughs> Hallelujah. If I asked you, what does Malachi chapter 3 when you hear Malachi chapter 3, what does it, what does, what, what comes to mind? Tight money, isn't it? And uh, I, I'm glad that you're not wrong. I'm glad that you're not wrong, but you're wrong. You know, that perception is wrong. Because Malachi chapter 3, which I felt that a lot of people have actually, um, actually 
position is actually wrong on that. Malachi chapter 3 is actually not about money. Malachi chapter 3, as well as the book of Malachi, is not about money, but about the state of our hearts. Money is just the outward expression of what is going on in the heart. So it's not, you know, uh, so basically what I'm telling you is that that guard that you put on, pastor wants to talk about Tai Chi Day, you know, just drop the guard. Amen? Drop it. Cool it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us read from verse 7. Or I will read from verse 6, verse 6, verse 6. He said, For I am the Lord, I do not change. I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. And what God is saying there is that, look, Basically, what he's addressing the sons of Jacob is that he's unfaithfulness, their heart of unfaithfulness, their backsliding states. They've departed from God. And God is saying that in spite of your state, in spite of your heart, I have not consumed you. And that's a testimony to show you that I am forever faithful, even while you are not faithful. Then verse 8 says, verse 7, beg your pardon, he said, Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. So this is God having dialogue with them. He says, look, I have not changed. You have gone away from my ordinances. And look at the response of the people. And this is a honest conversation. In verse 8, they responded... Uh, no, verse 7, let me continue. Verse 7 said, Then verse 7 said, You have gone away from my ordinances and I have not kept them. Then God says, Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, In what way shall we return? They asked an honest question In what way shall we return? You see, it's, it's all about the state of the hearts. They've gone away from God. And the, 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 the biggest problem there is that they didn't even know that they were away from God. They didn't know that their heart has gone, has departed from God. They were still in the sanctuary of God. If you look at chapter 1 of Malachi, it gives you a picture. The Bible says that they were, offering, they were offering blemish animals to God. Unworthy sacrifice. They were bringing unworthy sacrifice to God. For them, as far as they're concerned, it's just a case of just coming and bring something before God. When God says that the sacrifice that you bring to me must be pure, must be holy, must be without blemish. And they were consistently doing that. And God had turned 
is back from them. And he's saying to them, look, return to me and I will return to you. Because at this time, they were facing great difficulty. Nothing was working for them. The Bible says there was kind of a, a brass heaven over them. They were not fruitful. They were unproductive as a result of the heart that has turned away from God. Then in verse 8, when they asked the Lord that how, what, what, in what way shall we return to you? Because as far as they're concerned, they've not left God because they're still in the sanctuary. And God says, will a man rob God? Yes, you have robbed me. But you say, you see, they still didn't get it. They say, in what way have we robbed you? Then God says, in tithes and offerings. Now, what I want to address here is that if you look at what we're saying, the issue here is not the tithes and offering. The issue here is the state of the heart. The reason why they have a problem with tithes and offering is because their heart is disconnected from God. You know, I hear a lot of people asking, you know, there was a time um, in Nigeria that this became a big, um, you know, um, tithes is here, Old Testament thing, is a New Testament thing or whatever, I mean, and all the rubbish. I have never met, I'm yet to meet someone who's on fire for God, who loves God, who cares about God, that has problem with tithes. I'm yet to find one. I'm yet to find one. Because tithes becomes a non-issue because, you see, tithes is a tenth of your income. What is my income? You know, sometimes people ask, okay, yeah, I'm on benefit. It doesn't mean I, it's up to you. Whatever you regard as your income, a tenth of it belongs to the Lord. And a tenth of it when you're giving tithe, I, I, I say this, that tithe is a matter of obedience. Because when you bring a tenth, all you're acknowledging is that, God, everything I owe belongs unto you. It's an acknowledgement. You know, sometimes our attitude is like, I'm sure for a lot of us, when uh, you can imagine when you have your six-year-old or five-year-old, you take them to McDonald's. You buy the chips and the and the kid the kid is me. I say, let me have one chips. And the kid says, no, no, no. The kids are getting that you made that available. So when God says a tenth of what I've allowed you to make is mine, you think He's taking something from you? Even in the world, you read any book on financial that is written by a non-Christian, and I've read quite a few, every one of them, they say, take a tenth. They don't, say, they don't quite say tenth, but there's a way they, they coin it that give to charity, give to, you know, kind of like give 
a portion of what you earn away. And one of the things that is common now, you know, you hear corporate res uh, social responsibility. Every big corporation, you know, is like, let's give something back to the community. Let's give something back to the people. That's all, say, sir. Unbelievers, if they're thinking like that, God is, you know, sometimes um, in, in, in church, we disregard or we don't value enough the truth that we have. What do you think you can put in God's hand that you can lose? When you pay a tithe, when you bring a tithe of your income, you are saying, you, first of all, you are acknowledging, God, you owe me. Pastor Joshua rightly said this morning that it's a different thing for you to earn, it's a different thing to enjoy what you earn. May the Lord not cause you to build and another live in it in the name of Jesus. May the Lord cause you to eat the, the, the fruit of your labor in the name of Jesus. He said, bring, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now. I mean, the, 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 it's not the purpose of, I'm not really focusing on purpose of tithes and, you know, but... Um, then, but I want to get on to, I want to, uh, I miss verse 8. When he says, uh, verse 9, I beg your pardon. When he says, in what way we do rob in tithes and offering, you are, then verse 9, he said, you are caused with a cause, for you have robbed me, even this old nation. Now, many times that is preached as if, if you don't pay your tithe, I'm going to place a cost on you. That's not what that scripture is saying. That's what I said, I encourage you to read from chapter 1. What he's saying, God was responding to them that, look, the reason why you are living a curse is because your heart is separated from me. Amen? He's not saying, he's not saying that, oh, you know, um, and I know this has been used to scare a lot of people, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, you, you, I, I will cost you. You don't. You don't pay tax. No, a cost costless shall not alight. If you are a child of God, nobody can cost you. Amen. If you are a child of God, no one can cost you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So it's not. It's not that it's placing a curse on them. It's saying that look, you are living a curse because. And the verse ten now says. When you bring, when you do this, when you return to me, when you return to me by bringing all your thighs into the storehouse, that there may be food, there may be resources in the house, he says, try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. And that leads me to my next point. What is it you need for us? God says, you see, God rewards to our generous giving. He responds to it. He says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that will not be room enough to contain it. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I love what the new translation, uh, new living translation says. He said, I will re rebuke the tamats and the locusts for your sake. 
May you not walk and end and not know where you, the money went to. You know, sometimes the way the Vora operates, that's the time you hear a fictitious call from nowhere that this person is sick, this person is Before you know it, money's just going. You know, your car that's served forever breaks down. Your, cook, your washing machine breaks down. Everything breaks down. The roof is leaking. The fence breaks down. That's the devourer. Amen? Hallelujah. May the portion in the name of Jesus. But the way you safeguard it is honoring God. Praise the Lord. Honor God. He said, I will pour out blessing enough for you to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that it will, it will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vow fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you be delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. You know, of course, in, in this context is the Agarian culture. But in our context, you know, you can be the best engineer, you can be the best doctor, you can be the best, and still nothing works for you. You know, as they say in the world, it's not so much of what you know, is who you know. And if you and I know God, amen, it means that there can be no letting off. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you know God, he said, return to me and I will return to you. In other words, I will cover you up. Hallelujah. Turn your Bible with me to um, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And Matthew chapter 6 verse 1. And basically what I want to like I said, that when we give to God, when we give to God, God responds to us. And the, you really don't want, you see, one thing, I, I, I share this, uh, one of the reasons why I'm sharing this, because some of the, some of the, um, some of the people that came to, to me, I said this to them, and I wanted to address it to the whole church. I said, look, what you get as a member, as a committed member of the church, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, far, far exceed any physical thing anyone can do for you. And what am I saying? Jesus makes it very clear. He said, when you have your reward here on earth, when you do anything for him in the kingdom and you get a reward there, it's like, you, it's like uh, almost double jeopardy, you know, in law. You can't be punished twice for the same offense. I know they've tried to change that law or they've probably changed it, I don't know. But basically what I'm saying is that what the scripture says is that you can't get the benefit here and get in heaven. But if I ask you, which one do you want to get? Do you want to get the one here or the one in heaven? I'd rather get the one in heaven because the one in heaven covers the one here. 
The one in heaven covers the one here. You can't be blessed in heaven and not blessed on earth. And that's the truth. Amen. Let's look at verse 6 together. And we look at a few scriptures here. Um, verse 6. It says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, what you give, what you do, if you do it for, for someone or for, for me to see, you have no reward for it. So the essence of what you do or what you give is not to impress anyone. Amen? Verse 2 says, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, you have received your reward. They have received their reward. But when you do charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret what we himself do what? We himself do what? Will himself reward you. Hallelujah. Praise God. And the, the, the important thing for us is that when we recognize that what we do it's not because, I mean, I, and that's what I tell so I say, I will not promise you anything. I will not promise you, but what I will promise you is what I've been mandated to do, that I will serve you to the best of God's ability. And I believe every leader in this house will do that. I did say, I said, well, I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm not saying that we always get it right. But as far as our conscience is concerned, as far as God gives us the strength and ability, we'll serve you in whichever way that can be defined. I know that's very open. But let's look at another scripture, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Am I making any sense this morning? So tithe is not about money. It's not, God, God is not interested in taking anything away from us. So we are more blessed in giving than in receiving. Verse 38. God responds generously to everything that we give. Whether you give in, in gift or kind. But I think the first thing is that your heart must be right to honor God, to give everything to God, to give your best to God. That's, that's the heart attitude. If our heart is not right, forget it. You can't give anything to God. It will be a problem. Even you will not give your time. He said, verse 38, he said, give and it will be given to you. 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run over, put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it will measure back to you. Amen. It's a give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, run over. That is the doing of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So don't giving giving is not a transactional thing between between the organization. You see, and that's why I, I, I was I was um, telling some people. I said that is why I will not say you know um, to you. Okay, yes, we've done it uh, when um, in, in some desperate times and everything. But looking back, we um, were better for the answer. We probably should not have done it. When you, when you think that you're giving to a person or you're giving to an organization, then it leaves you with a problem because you look at it as a transaction. That, okay, I've given you this. What do, you, what do I get back from it? But if you look at your gifts, and when I'm talking of gifts now, I'm talking not just of money, I'm talking of your time, I'm talking of, you know, your skills and everything. When you, when, when, when you give it, and you give it with a heart attitude that you are giving unto God. The old dynamics changes. The old dynamics changes. I won't think that you are subservient to me because I've given you something and you have to respect me. You have to do certain things for me because I've given you certain things. But if I give you believing that I've given unto God, who will reward me for what I've given you, then my attitude and everything, my perception will change. So what I'm saying to a giving, in a giving, we have to direct it to God. Even if you are blessing someone, you know, bless someone in the name of the Lord. I know people that have done things for people in this church that those that they've done it for don't today don't even know who did it. And while I was thinking about this, I was thinking that you know those that this that we have helped as a church, you know, financially, socially, materially, emotionally, and everything. Those that were really, really, if you like, throw the bath to help. They're not here. Those that we have. So what I'm trying to say is that, you know, it's, for me, I've gone, I've grown beyond that. If I have to look at what we've done for some people and their response to those, those generosity, You'll be frustrated. I can't even afford to mention some of it. Because some of you will probably think, Pastor, are you, are you in your right senses? You know, to make such a decision. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. We're looking at God's generosity to what we do. How he responds. Let's look from verse 40. 
He said, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So the question is that when you give, in what attitude do you give? Do you give because he's a righteous man? Do you give because he's a prophet or, you know, man of God, whatever? And whatever reason you give will determine the reward that you receive. And look at verse 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, in other words, I assure you, I say to you, he shall no means lose his reward. Amen, somebody. There is nothing you do in the name of the Lord that does not carry a reward. That's what I'm saying. Nothing. But if you do it because, you see, but if you do it because I'm the big man, you know, you are the little man, and, you know, I just want to, you know, all this pop, I just want to, I just want to help them, you know, so that um, my profile can, I can raise my profile a little bit. There's no reward in all of that, no matter how good, it, no matter how great it is. When you look at First Corinthians chapter 13, it says you can give, even you can give your eyes, if there's no love in it, there's no, it's nothing. So the, 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 the difference is in the name of what, what is the attitude, what is going through the mind when you're giving. So don't give to, and, uh, and we've often said there is that, look, if you are not excited to give, please don't give. Because I want you to have a reward. Amen? If you are not prepared to give in the name of the Lord, please, hold it. Don't give. Don't, you know, no, no problem. The Lord has a way in which he meets his needs. Because I want you to have a reward in your giving. Amen? So when you give, give it, number one, give it in the name of the Lord. Give it rejoicing with it, you know. Be excited with it. Be pleased with yourself that... God, I thank you that you put me in the position to be able to be a blessing. Amen? And when you give, don't give that I'm giving to man. Give that I'm giving to God. Praise the Lord. And why am I saying this? Because I want you to have a reward. Because there's nothing, you see, interestingly, he talked about the prophet, he talked about the, the, the disciple, and he talked about the least. But what cuts across it is giving in the name of the Lord. That's what makes the difference. When you give in the name of the Lord, it makes a difference. And God honors that, and he will reward you. Amen? Hallelujah. May you receive your reward in the name of Jesus. Let's go to a popular one. I'll finish with this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 8. My statement kind of led to this, to this 
And this is Apostle Paul saying, and the truth, if you read from the previous chapter, you see that Paul had been talking about giving, and they were giving towards a need there, but they were not giving because of the need. They were giving in the name of the Lord. He said, but this I say, he who sows sparingly, that is little, we also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully, we also reap bountifully. And you see, what I discover, what I realize is that bountifully or sparingly is relative. You have one uh, hundred pounds and you give one pound. It's sparing. But you have one pound and you give 50 or you give the whole one pound. It's bountiful. That one pound that you give out of one, that 50p you give out of one pound is more than one pound out of 100 pounds. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, the, it's not the amount that determines the generosity of the heart. It's the ratio of what you've got. It's the sacrifice. It's, you know, it's, and, and when you give at that level, you're giving not because you're, you're giving from that attitude that God... You are my source, you are my abundance. Amen. Hallelujah. He says, so let, verse 7, so let each one give as he proposes in his heart. Don't let anyone make you give. Can I hear an amen for that? Don't let anyone make you give. You know, I've heard people, they leave a meeting and they're cursing themselves, they're cursing everybody that, my goodness, you know, uh, that's why I don't like going to that place, you know. They just make you give. They just, no. Look at it. Look at scriptures. Turn out to scriptures yourself. It said, let each one give as he proposes in his heart. Because you know the level of faith of what you can give. You know what you can give, if you like, that you know the threshold of what will excite you. I'm not saying that giving, some giving don't hurt. Sometimes you give, give it hurts. But one thing that I've just learned is just that I know that Satan cannot ask me to give. That's one thing I've known. Satan cannot ask me to give. So sometimes, you know, I'm giving, I know that, ha, huh, Lord, it must be you. Hallelujah. I'm praying the spirit, I'm checking it, I'm just, I just, okay, Lord. But I'm still excited that I can give it. I remember one man of God was saying that the Lord asked him, he was in a service, and the Lord asked him that he should give a million um, pound offering. And he wrote, he wrote it straight away. He wrote it, the check. And he put it back in his pocket. And he just looked at his wife. The wife said, do what the Lord asked you to do. <laughs> and he said, well, he knew that definitely that was God. 
He took it out from his pocket, put in offering basket. He said he was trailing the offering basket, you know, from the front to the back. He was excited that because he said, while he was giving, he said, God told him that, yeah, I asked you to. He said, that's all I have. He God said, yeah, I know that. I asked you to give because I know you have it. Now, that shook him. And I've given some gifts that shook me like that. But I know it can't be Satan that said I should give. You know? So, he said, propose in your heart, not grudgingly, of necessity. For God loves what? God loves a cheerful giver. He loves us to give cheerfully. He wants you to be pleased with it. Even if you are second guessing and everything, but you, you still have to be pleased with it. Amen? And this is one of my favorite scriptures, verse 8. And God is able. Everybody say, God is able. God is able. See, the all grace means all power, all resources. It means there's based, in fact, I'm lots of words out to describe it. It means that basically all heaven is at your disposal. That's what it means. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. You saw, you saw in Malachi chapter 3. When he says, when you return to me, he says, I will open the windows of heaven. Literally, that's what he said. I will make all grace abound towards you. That you will always have having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work as it is written. He has despised above, he has given to the poor. Is righteousness endures forever. In short, there's nothing you give to God that does not come with a reward. Amen. So what I'm saying to us is that, look, don't look at reward from man. Don't look at reward from organization. What we can give you as an organization or as human beings is macroscope to what God can give you. That's what I'm saying. Would you rather want me to give you, transact business with you based on what you give, or you want the whole heaven to be opened unto you? That's the question I'm asking. So is able to make all grace abound unto you, or what the Father's house can do for you? Or what pastor can do for you? Well, my choice would be to allow all this grace to abound unto me. Amen? And I hope that will be your choice as well. In the name of Jesus. Let's rise up to our feet. Hallelujah. God is able to make all grace. Pastor Joshua did mention that, I mean, uh, though we have a new version of the form, unfortunately we can't feel it, but... Um, if you um, still avail yourself with the old form, uh, feel that we'll still transpose that into the new form. Um, and I just, what if I don't want to feel it? Like uh, the former Asna manager used to say, it's okay. 
It's okay. Everything is okay. No, no, Wenga, everything. It's okay. Amen. Nothing in the kingdom of God is by compulsion. Nothing. If you are not cheerful, if you are not excited about it, being a committed member of the church, it's not, it's not, it's not compulsory. It's not compulsory. You know, it's not compulsory. We still love you. Hallelujah. We still love you. We just know that you're just saying that, well, on this, I'm not ready to go on this journey with you for the moment. You see, God cannot, God cannot call a reluctant soldier in his army. Church is warfare. And you can't be a reluctant soldier. So if you are not ready, yeah, it's, it's okay. You know, we wait for you till you are ready. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. If you want the form, or if you don't feel the form, just, um, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Almighty, for your word that has gone forth this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this word will not return to you empty and everybody would accomplish the purpose to which you send it for. I thank you, Lord, for the abundance that is available in your kingdom to us. Thank you, Lord, for making all grace available unto us, Lord. I thank you, Lord God Almighty, because, Lord, you called us out of the darkness of this world into your own marvelous light. Father, thank you, Lord Almighty, for watching over us. Thank you, Lord, for watching over our businesses, watching over our homes, watching over our children, Lord, watching over everything that concerns us, watching over our careers, our businesses, oh God. Father, Lord, we lay all before you, Lord, knowing that, Lord, there is nothing that, Lord, you cannot uphold. Father, we thank you, Lord Almighty, because your word says that, Lord, when we give unto you, you will return unto us hundredfold returns. We thank you, Lord Almighty, because, Lord, there is no loss in doing business with you. To this, we give you praise. To this, we give you honor and adoration in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord Almighty, Lord, as we depart from this place to our various places. I speak the blessing of God over each and every one of us in the name of Jesus. I pray that the Lord go ahead of you. The Lord be with you. The Lord be gracious upon you and cause his face to shine upon you in the name of Jesus. May you bless the works of your hands. May you order your steps in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord Almighty. Thank you, Lord Almighty, for clarity of your word in the name of Jesus. We bless you, we give you praise. We honor you, and we appreciate your goodness. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Paradventure, you still have any question or any doubt, and you just want to clarify, please feel free to um, come um, and, uh, and ask me your questions. And um, I will try as much as possible to answer it if I can. Okay? Praise the Lord. Let's declare something three together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down green pastures. 
He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You are not my eye with all. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. May you step out into God's overflow this week as you go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have been blessed by this message, please do share and subscribe to ensure that you always get the latest episode. I'd like to hear from you. If you have any comments or prayer requests or counseling need, we are here to help you. If you are calling outside the United Kingdom, it's double four double seven six nine double one nine four four nine. Alternatively, email revbumi at gmail.com and that is R-E-V-B-U-N-M-I at gmail.com or connect via social media, Facebook, revb.omidron or Twitter at P-S-T-B-U-O hashtag podcast. That is at P-S-T-B-U-O hashtag podcast. I look forward to hearing from you, sharing with you, same time, God bless you.